This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. might be disappointed, or you might not, because of the standard of my jokes. I'm not going to start with a joke. Brian, sorry, I'm not going to start with a joke today. Now, you might be pleased with that, because my standard of my jokes is as bad as Brian's. So... uh, but uh, there you go. But I do want to start, um, I'm going off piste a bit because I wasn't going to start like this, but I do want to start with uh, John 10 verse 10. And it says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. For in other versions, it says a full life. And I am speaking today on kind of your lifestyle. And um, it is about kind of, you know, where you see yourself. And if you're not feeling at the moment that you're living a full life or a satisfying life, and you feel maybe that your life is being stolen away from you, then hopefully today, and I pray that my words will help in some way for you to understand maybe where you might be going a little bit wrong. Life isn't easy, as we all know, and life for some looks easier than others. Agreed? Yeah? Look at the Kardashians. Yeah? Have they got an easy life? We think so, don't we? But I can guarantee you they will have issues of their own, because with vast wealth comes problems, the problems I would love to have, incidentally. (laughs) But vast wealth brings its own problems, Vast poverty brings its own problems. Yeah, completely different problems. But nobody's life is perfect, regardless of what it looks like. Okay? But today, what I want to know is, and I don't want you to answer me, obviously, but are you satisfied with your life? Or do you really feel as though it's been stolen away for various reasons? Now, things come our way, and we cannot do anything about them. Agreed? Yeah? We cannot do anything about the circumstances that we're in, unfortunately. But we can do something about our choices when we're in that circumstance. And maybe, just maybe, your life is where it's at and you're, maybe your feeling has always been stolen and you're not satisfied because of the way we do life. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Is that cool? Okay, because I don't know about you, but when I look at, um, I'm going to get, this is sounds awful now, but I'm going to get rid of my Bible because I don't need it. <laughs> I've got them written down. I've got them written down. But I need a bit more space. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I look at the people in the Bible, I'm just like in awe of them. And I think to myself, how can we have the same God, yet you have a life and faith like that, and I have a life and faith like this, yeah? Can you imagine getting to the Red Sea, being Moses? I'd be like, oh my life, I hope this is going to work, yeah? I don't know, perhaps Moses was like that as well, I don't know, you know. Or Abraham, you know, taking your, your son up and thinking, I've got to kill you. And he's like, where's the, where's the sheep, Dad? Don't worry about that. Don't worry about the sacrifice. It's all fine. Thinking, I've got to kill you in a minute. Yeah? And Joseph, my gosh, had a vision of where he was going to be. But certainly his life wasn't taking him that path, was it? Yeah, why didn't he give up? I probably would have. I've got to be honest. I probably would have. You know, he had a bit of a get out with Potiphar's wife, but he didn't take it. Yeah, I probably would have. So there's all these people in the Bible, Rahab, you know, almost sacrificing her life. She could have died even just asking to go and see the king and turning up. Yeah, Ruth leaving everything she knew behind to do and follow Naomi into a land she never knew. And in fact, a land full of enemies. These people just seem awesome to me. And I just think, why can't I be like that? It's all down to motivation, I think. Maybe maybe, uh, you disagree with me. 
You see, every decision we make is down to the motivation that is driving us. Now, motivation comes from the word motive, which means your need, your desire, or your want. And then those three drives the individual. It is a process of stimulating you or me to perform a particular action that then leads to a particular goal. Yeah, that's what motivation is. If you're motivated by money, you'll get up at 7 o'clock in the morning and maybe drive to Cardiff because that job pays better than staying in Armourford. Yeah, if your motivation is fame, you will go on X Factor when you really shouldn't go on X Factor (laughs) because you want the fame. So your motivation will drive your actions, which will then end up uh, you hitting or not your goal. So just like Daniel... Joseph, Esther, we all know these stories, and Paul, you have that same calling in your life. You have that same ability to do the miraculous stuff that they did. You have that same ability in your life too. You have the same God that they had in your life too. So why are we not doing and living in the way that some of these people did? You see, God is the same God that protected Moses and opened the Red Sea. So he can do that for you. I don't suggest you going down the Ammon and, you know, putting a stick across, you know, whatever. He's the same God that helped David overcome Goliath. So why do you doubt that he's the same God that can overcome your Goliaths? See, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 2 that we are a chosen people. Oh, come on, we're chosen. Yeah? Have you ever been in a line when they're picking the netball team and you're the last person? That is like, oh my gosh, so demoralizing, isn't it? When you get to the last person, you're, okay, well, you go with that team, yeah? But to be chosen first is amazing. So I'm going to change that first. We are chosen people first. You were chosen first. You were a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Romans 8 says, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And he goes on to say, we are heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, and we share in his glory. So why are we not living a life of an heir? Prince William this morning has probably woken up, and Kate, he's had somebody to open the curtains for him probably. He's had breakfast done for him, teas and coffees. He hasn't got to lift a finger. Why? Because he's the heir to the throne. And yet we live like a pauper when we're an heir to the throne. Do you get what I'm saying? I don't mean financially now. I don't mean physically. I mean the way we live is not where we should be living. Because half of the time it's because we don't understand what God has given to us freely. You see, we all know the story of Jonah. And in fact, coincidentally, and this wasn't planned, the kids are doing Jonah today. He was a God-fearing man, and he was a man of God. God used him. He was a prophet. But he still didn't live the life he should have, did he? Because we all know he went the complete opposite to what he should have done. He was a chicken. Now, you've all woken up now, because I've mentioned chicken in the middle of my sermon. And she's like, she's lost the plot. Now, what's she talking about? Jonah was not a chicken. He was a chicken. Now, the reason why I say he was a chicken because you're all thinking he was afraid. He wasn't afraid of going to Nineveh, okay? So it wasn't that. But do you know, this is my intellect coming through now. It's not his Google, but never mind. Did you know that the word chicken comes from a Latin word that means the same? Did you know that? 
Chicken means the same. You see, Jonah ran away from God's plan, not because he was scared of what God asked him to do, but because really, in essence, he was the same as the people that he was being asked to go and speak to. You see, Jonah wanted Nineveh to be destroyed. He felt that, he des- that they deserved God's judgment. Jonah didn't want to see God's mercy extended to his enemies, and he knew that God would extend his mercy to them, and he didn't want it. So in essence, Jonah was the same as the people that God was asking him to go and speak to. There was hatred in Jonah's heart, bitterness, revenge, certainly no forgiveness. He probably despised the the fact that God was going to save these people in Nineveh. He didn't think they deserved it. So he chose to disobey God, do his own thing, rather and basically leave the people of Nineveh, just get destroyed and wiped off the planet. He was happy that that would happen. So he was the same, really, as the people in Nineveh. He was a chicken. So let me tell you a few things about chickens. Now, I don't like chickens, incidentally, but uh, I do eat in them. (laughs) I do eat in them. To let you in on a little secret, Karis and I have decided to become vegetarians. On a part-time... On a part-time basis, um, we decided this in the new year, and so far we've eaten meat nearly every day. So we're not doing very well. I do feel sorry for them when I see them in the, in the little pens, I've got to be honest, but um, yeah. So let me tell you, that was a, that's not in my notes. I bet you didn't guess that. I bet you thought I'd written that down. No, I haven't. So let me tell you a couple of things about chickens. While chickens seem to have fun plucking away at life, they walk around aimlessly. If ever you had chickens, they do. They just walk around their little cub. They just walk around aimlessly with other chickens. They don't get very far in life. They get on my plate most of the time, don't they? But, uh, you know. They prefer to walk than to fly. So they never see the world for really what it is. Chickens are scared easily and rarely try anything new and rarely take risks. They would rather stay in their cub. So they have the ability to fly out of the cub, but very few do, because it's like, hang on, I don't know what's going on out there, so I'd rather stay here. Chickens get distracted easily too, and ultimately end up doing what is easiest. So if a chicken kind of goes over there, the chickens will be like, oh, what's happening? I'm going over here too. (laughs) Is that what a chicken does? Is that what a chicken does? I'm not going to attempt the noise. So, Chickens are followers. They'll do what everybody else is doing. Well, what other chickens are doing? You know what I mean? Chickens don't like change. In fact, if a new bird is introduced into the, into the cub, they will attack it. They don't like change. They have a pecking order. Yeah? yeah? Have you, you heard the, the thing, rule the roost? Yeah, they have a pecking order. So there are bosses and subordinates. And this can change at any given point because they're constantly fighting for their position in the cub. Chickens will peck and attack hens that they perceive to be lower down in the pecking order. They eat anything. They rummage around the floor and while they're picking up what they should be picking up, their seed, they're also picking up dirt and feathers and all the muck that's in the ground. They really don't care what they eat. They don't have a lot of self-esteem either because they allow the other chickens to knock them up and down the pecking order. So they don't really stand up for themselves. If somebody's a bit stronger, they're like, okay, okay, I'll let you do it. Chickens learn to rough it and they become accustomed to living mediocre. 
chickens' lives are mundane. But they're happy with it. They fight all the time. Chickens are sly. So when they're about to attack another chicken, now I didn't know this, they will get closer and closer. They're pecking on the ground. They're walking around. Peck, 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 peck. I won't make the noise. And then all of a sudden, they'll pounce on the chicken that they are going to attack. Chickens continuously make a lot of noise, but they don't accomplish anything. Do you know any chickens? Do you know any chickens? Are you a chicken? Do you like fighting? Do you like the pecking order? Do you like to be a little bit more important than somebody else? Do you like to stay in the comfort? Do you eat rubbish? I don't mean physically. Do you eat rubbish? Do you take rubbish into your life? Are you happy with the mundane and mediocre? God hasn't called you to be a chicken. Yeah? God has not called you to be a chicken. Now, a couple of years ago, well, quite a few years ago, actually, um, we were in Tenerife. And I'll let you into a secret. I have a phobia of things that fly, which is really stupid, but I hate anything that flies. So Anna's got a parrot or something. It's a bird, anyway, a parrot. And I was over there the other day, and she let it out, and it was on my shoulder, and I was like, oh, my life. And I wouldn't look at it, because, you know, if you don't look at something, then you go invisible, you know that, so the parrot couldn't see me. But we were out in Tenerife, and there was a bird show, because if you ever go to Tenerife, they've obviously got Laurel Park and all that type of thing, and they, and they bring the birds out, and obviously the girls were small, so we went to the, the Birds of Prey show and whatever, and we were sitting there, and these birds are flying, and I'm just like, oh, my life, oh, my life, I don't like this. And they're owls and whatever, hawks and... Little canaries, parrots, everything were flying all over. And next thing, they said, oh, and, and they were going, you know, we need a volunteer for this, we need a volunteer for that, and people were going up, yeah, right. And then the last one came, right, we need a volunteer. So I thought, right, okay, if I don't look at them, I become invisible, and they can't see me. So I'm sat there, head down, head down. Next thing, out my arm comes, and dragged off I get, okay? And I'm going, no, no, I can't, I can't, no, no, I can't, because obviously I've got a fear of birds. And parents, just a word of warning, when you're teaching your kids, um, you know, things in life, so we always taught them to face their fears, yeah? Never say, I can't, it's I can't yet. So guess what? When I'm saying, I can't, I can't, I've got the kids saying, you can, you can, you just can't yet. And I'm having, mommy, face your fears. You're always telling us to face our fears. So, of course, I had no choice. So out I got dragged. Uh, out to the front, I got this glove put on me, as they always do, and I'm standing there, and a lot of the time, there was one guy who had this big glove, and they uh, blindfolded him, they said, right, we're going to put this bird on your arm, and they brought out a tiny little canary, so because everybody laughed, and so I'm out there with this thing on my arm, and next thing, my arm just goes, all my life, right, something heavy had been put on my arm, and I could hardly hold my hand up, so this is a photograph of us after the event, um, so that was put on my arm. It was hit. So you can see my face, can you? <laughs> Loving the moment. And then we got a second photo. Then it started getting a bit... It started getting a bit, okay, I don't want to be here anymore, so I'll just fly off. But of course it couldn't, because it was stuck. Now, a couple of minutes earlier, this was me. <laughs> Loving life in Tenerife. Not... 
So in fairness, there was literally, and I've never had this before, and I've never had it since, there was literally beads of sweat coming down my head because I was absolutely in panic mode. And even Philip said afterwards, I'm really sorry, we shouldn't have done that to you. I felt awful. So even he apologised after. But you know what? As a, you know, joking aside, I was absolutely petrified, and it was absolutely massive. Um, but joking aside, it was a magnificent, magnificent bird. If you ever have the chance to see the eagle, it is absolutely magnificent. And you know, Isaiah forty thirty one says, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run, not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So God doesn't want us to be chickens messing around in the muck eating rubbish, not seeing the world to its potential, mundane, going nowhere, clacking around, fighting, arguing. God hasn't made us to be chickens. He compares us to being eagles, the complete opposite end of the spectrum. You see, the eagle is considered royalty of the bird world. What were we made to be? Royalty. And the eagle is considered to be the royal of the bird world. It is the highest in the bood, bood, bird food chain. It has no natural predators at all. I mean, gosh, who'd want to fight that thing? Apart from us humans. Yeah, we're the only thing that can destroy the eagle. So church, the reason why some of us maybe aren't living the life and feel as though we have our lives are being destroyed, stolen, is because we're not living the royal life like the eagle. You can't fly like an eagle if you're going to live like a chicken. Now, when Corinthians asks us, and Martin sent this morning during communion, to examine ourselves all the time, isn't he? And what it says as well is that if we're not honouring God, now I know in the sense here it's talking about communion and being reverent to God in, in taking the communion, but if we are not um, honouring God in everything we do and living the life that we should be living, the verse goes on to say that many are weak and sick. Now I think it's more than just health that it's talking about, okay? So examine your heart right now. Are you where God wants you to be? Are you living the chicken life or are you soaring like the eagle? And be honest, you might be doing chicken for some of it and eagle for some of it. But we need to be doing eagle for all of it. We are royalty. You would never see Prince William in Tesco getting his own dinner. Yeah, we need to start living the life that we are chosen to, to live. You see, is your environment, so like I said, it's not just illness, is your environment that you're living weak and sick? Are your circumstances that you're in at the moment weak and sick? Is your career weak and sick? Are your relationships weak and sick? Are your finances weak and sick? Is your health weak and sick? Maybe it's because we're not honouring God as we should do, and maybe it's because we're not living like the royal eagle. So we've listened about a couple of things about the chicken. Let's find out then what the eagle, in contrast, is. The eagles eat well and are fussy eaters. So unlike the chicken that rummages round and will pick up any bits of rubbish on the floor, eagles know what they want to eat, 
They know exactly what's good for them, and they will only eat it if it's fresh. So unlike um, vultures, that's the word I was looking for, unlike vultures who will go wait for somebody else to do the kill and eat the rotting flesh, eagles will only eat it if it's fresh. So they eat the best of the best. So just like we need physical food for physical strength, we need spiritual food for spiritual strength. When we're going through hard times and we need to be strong in God, we can only do that if we've had spiritual food. The Bible describes itself as spiritual food, doesn't it? And in everything, we need it for substance. You see, a commander of an army wouldn't send uh, his soldiers into battle if he knows they haven't eaten. Yeah? Why? Because they're weak. They're going to be no good. They're going to fall. They're going to fail. An athlete wouldn't go into a big race or a big game without bulking up first. People know what to do in the physical when they've got something ahead. Yet in the spiritual, we seem to forget that we also need the spiritual food. We need to feed ourselves to have the strength to accomplish the tasks that are ahead of us. You're not going to have much success in winning a spiritual battle if you're going there starving to death. That's why we need to feed ourselves in the word of God. The Bible says, Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. See, what Paul is telling us is that the Bible needs to take residence in our lives, not on our bookshelf. It's rich, it's profound, it's life-giving. So you might have, as we do, loads and loads of Bibles on your bookshelf, which is great. It's a great start, but if they stay on your bookshelf and never get in your heart, they are absolutely hopeless. There's no point in having them. So get the Bible in your heart. Feed yourself on what is good, what is fresh, and what is going to sustain you for what God has called you to do. Eagles have a strong vision. If you ever happen to see an eagle, they watch very, very closely. They're very, very attentive. Do you see his eyes? Oh, my gosh. Eagles have a keen vision. Their eyes are specifically designed for long-distance focus and clarity. They can spot another eagle soaring from how far do you think? 50 miles. And they can see a tiny mouse from how far? Five miles. Vision is not just a daydream that we hope will happen someday. The Bible talks about vision. It means something higher that we can only reach with God. Vision is a God thing. It has to do with finding out what God is up to in our world and then joining him in doing it. Habakkuk says, I'll keep watch to see what God will say to me. So vision comes from God and it sets our direction. It keeps us focused. It helps us to know where to concentrate and what to concentrate on. So if we fulfill God's promise for us, we need a clear vision. You see, when you have a vision of God and what he has done for you, what he is doing for you, and what he's already prepared for you, your focus will change and your focus will set. And as Philippians says, we will make it easier for us to press on, to reach the end of race and receive the high calling that God has given us. Isn't that what we want? Our heavenly prize? Don't we want to do it well? Yeah? Hebrews 12 says, keep your eyes on Jesus who who both began and finished this race that we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. So to have a clear vision and remain focused, no matter what, is what we need to succeed. 
I think it's thirdly. Eagles remove unwanted feathers. You know, when I was looking at eagles, it's really quite interesting, actually. So just before the eaglers, eaglets go out on their first solar flight, the mother will perch on the edge of the nest over a young and inspect them because she can't send them out if they're unequipped. So noticing that they have loose feathers sticking out all over them, she knows that they have to get rid of those little eagles' feathers in order to fly. So what she does is she flaps her wings and the eaglets in turn copy, okay, copy their mommy. And what happens is all the loose feathers are then discarded. Then she increases her flapping to create a mighty blast of wind to blow across her little chicks. And soon all the loose feathers are blown away and the stubborn ones then that are still stuck, she plucks out with her beak. Or, yeah, beak. <laughs> I was going to say talon then, but that's the fingers, isn't it? Or claws, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a flipping RSPCB, RSPCB person. Always confuses me, those letters. Always confuses me. The eaglets now are ready to fly. They've got no loose feathers. They've got no old feathers. They are prepared to fly. And likewise, as new Christians, we have lots of feathers that we really do need to pluck before we can fly and before we can do what God has designed us to do. They may be bad habits, maybe places that aren't good for us, maybe people who aren't good for us, TV programs that we really shouldn't be watching. It could be anything. And probably right now you're thinking... Yeah, I know what that is. Ephesians 4.22 says, Put away the old person you used to be. Have nothing to do with your old sinful life. It was sinful because of being fooled into following bad desires. Let your minds and hearts be made new. You must become a new person and be God-liked. Now, what's really interesting, so that's the eaglet, so that's like, you know, new Christians. But what's really interesting is when the eagle reaches about 30, their bodies start to deteriorate and it makes it difficult for them to fly. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. So what they do is they take themselves off to somewhere high, somewhere isolated where they won't be seen and whatever. And listen to what they do. This is quite amazing. They knock their beak off. They pull out their talons and they pluck all their feathers out until they're bare. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go and punch, you know, take your fingernails out, go running naked through Armourford. That's not what I'm <laughs> suggesting here at all. But they remain then in this isolated place because I can imagine they don't want anybody to see them, can they? So they, they hide out for a little while and they wait then until the regrowth comes back. So their beak forms again, their talons form again, their fl- feathers form again, and they makes it, it, it happen so that they can then continue to live for another 30 years. So without doing that, they would die because they would fail to fly and therefore fail to hunt and therefore fail to eat. So even as mature Christians, there are times in our lives that we should look at our lives and assess whether we're flying with old feathers and whether our talons are really what they need to be and whether we need to knock off a couple of things in our life, like our beak as well. You see, sometimes, and if you're sitting here thinking, oh, I haven't got to do that, then you absolutely have to. Because to me, pride is setting in, kind of, you know, we have to keep examining ourselves. Over 20 times the Bible talks about us checking ourselves, testing ourselves, examining ourselves to make sure we are the person that God wants us to be. But you know the best thing about it? When edges are knocked off, when feathers are pulled out, there's regrowth and it is better than before. The eagle can fly continuously now for another 30, even 40 years because it's new and it's fresh. 
2 Corinthians says, test yourself to see if you were in faith. Examine yourself. I don't know what number I'm on, but eaglets don't, can't get too comfy. This is something else that the mother does. You see, when the mother thinks it's ready for the eaglets to fly, what she does, so when she builds a nest, she builds it obviously out of sticks and thorns and whatever to build it out a bit, to make it secure. Then um, she will go and get feathers, uh, anything soft that she can find to line the nest. Because obviously when a little chick is born, it needs to be comfy. It can't be on prickles and whatever. So she puts it, you know, packs it out with all soft, lovely things in the nest. But when they're ready to go... She gets rid of all the comfy stuff because what she does is she makes it uncomfortable for the chicks to be in the nest because then it encourages them to leave. It's amazing, mine, isn't it? You know, Carl Sandburg, an American poet, once said, there is an eagle in me that wants to sow, but there is a hippopotamus in me that wants to wallow in the mud. How true is that, isn't it? You see, our comfort zone is made up of people, places, things, and habits that are familiar to us. And it's comfortable. It's nice. We know what we get. But many of us are scared that even if we think about moving outside our comfort, comfort zone, we become, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I don't know how it'll work out. So therefore, I'll just stay where I am. We cling to everything that we know and choose fam fa familiarity over risk. Praying in public took Daniel from the comfort of his home to a den of hungry lions. Worshipping only God took Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego from the comforts of the security to the burning fiery furnace. Faithfulness to God took Mary from the comfort of an ideal life to being pregnant, unwed girl, delivering God's son in a stable. Following God took Moses from the comfort of shepherding and a few sheep to lead in the Israelites, which they reckon was over a million out of Egypt. Obedience to, took, bleh, obedience to God took Abraham from the comfort of his hometown to an unknown land. Faith took Esther from the comfort of her castle to the possible rejection of her king and ultimate death. Trusting God took David from the com comfort of shepherding his fields to facing a mighty giant. And love took Jesus from the comforts of heaven to the pain of the cross. You see, nothing significant is ever achieved in a place of comfort. Your purpose in God will not be achieved from your place of comfort. If you're not seeing breakthrough in your circumstances, maybe it's because you're just too comfy. Now, as an aside, uh, when chicks are old enough and they need to fly, the mother will... Uh, get them to the edge of, because obviously they're all pricky now, prickies up the bum on the, in the nest. So they get to the edge of the nest. The mothers will flap their wings and the wind wafts them off the nest. Okay, They have no idea where they're going, what they're doing. But guess what? They just tumble, tumble, tumble. They flap in dramatically. They fall in, they fall in to their death, to the floor, to the floor. Next thing, the eagle mother or father, whoever's watching, will swoop up, catch them on their back, take them back to the nest. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely amazing. Day two, she does it again. The chick must be like, oh, come on, ma'am. I nearly died yesterday. What are you doing to me? But you know, with every single day that that bird, the little eaglet, is tumbling, 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 it learns a little bit more. And it learns a little bit more. And it learns a little bit more. And eventually, the, all the, you know, the random flapping suddenly becomes far more focused and don't know what the word is, but it comes to them. And next thing, off they go. And they've learned the lesson. You see, if you do go out of your comfort zone, God's watching you. He's at the nest thinking, okay, 
How are they doing then? Ooh, flapping a bit, tumbling a bit, panicking a bit. It's time for me to swoop in. And in God comes, he will never let you fall. to A mother eagle will never let the eaglet fall to its death. It comes in when the time is right and brings it back to the nest and says, okay, don't worry, we'll try again tomorrow. We go again, yeah? So God will never, ever let you tumble and fall beyond what you can cope with. He will swoop in and rescue you. But you have to trust that he's going to do it. Eagles don't fear the storm. Let me check my... Eagles don't fear the storm. There is evidence that birds detect and respond to drops in pressure. They work out the bad weather is on its way and immediately they go and find somewhere that is safe to hide and they'll wait at the storm. Because have you noticed when the bad weather, not a bird in sight. Is that absolutely they... Do you know what? I'm getting out of here. In contrast, when clouds gather, the eagles get excited. When other birds hide in fear and eagles actually turn their face into the storm, feeling the strong wind on his face, then when the time is right, he'll spread his wings, leap off his perch and fly directly into the violence of the storm. With his wings outstretched, he'll catch the updrafts, causing him to rise, rise, rise above the clouds and into the gorgeous bright sunshine that we all know is above the storm. He'll remain above the clouds until the storm blows over and the skies become calm. You see, eagles take advantage of the same storm that other birds fear and hide for cover. There's a quote. I don't know who said it, but I can't pronounce it, so you'll have to trust me. Once the storm is over, you won't remember how you made it through, how you managed to survive. You won't even be sure whether the storm is really over. But one thing is certain, when the storm is over, you won't be the same person who walked in. And maybe that's what the storm was all about. So don't fear storms in your life. Embrace them. Learn from them. And come out the other side better. As I close, church, God has chosen us, chosen us to be royalty. But so often we live our lives as paupers. God has chosen us to be his heirs. Yet so often we forget the inheritance that is waiting for us. God has chosen us to be more than conquerors, but so often we live life like a loser. God has chosen us to be brave, but so often we prefer to be the coward. God has chosen us to lead, but we prefer to follow. God has chosen us to be bold, but so often we are reticent. God has chosen us to be an eagle, but sometimes we prefer to be a chicken. Now, once upon a time, there was a tiny eagle who fell from his nest. A chicken farmer found the eagle, brought him to the farm, raised him in the chicken coop among the many chickens. The eagle grew up doing what chickens do, living like a chicken and believing he was a chicken. One day, a man came along and came to the chicken farm to see what he had heard about this eagle acting like a chicken. He knew that the eagle is the king of the sky. He knew he was the royalty among birds. And he was surprised to see the eagle strutting around the chicken coop, pecking the ground and acting like a chicken. The farmer explained to the man that the bird was no longer an eagle. He'd become a chicken because that's what he'd been trained to be, is a chicken. And he believed he was a chicken. He lived like a chicken. Therefore, he was a chicken. The man knew that there was more to this great bird than the actions showed. So he pretended, uh, the actions showed that he pretended to be a chicken. He was born an eagle. He had a heart of an eagle. Nothing could change that. So the man lifted the eagle onto the fence surrounding the chicken coop and said, Eagle, 
You're an eagle. Spread out your wings and fly. The eagle moved slightly, only to look at the man. Then he glanced down at the chickens clucking behind him in the coop, jumped off the fence and continued with the chickens. The farmer was satisfied. See, I told you he was a chicken. The man wasn't convinced. So the man returned the next morning to the chicken farm and took the eagle and the farmer some distance away to the foot of a high mountain. They could not see the farm or the chickens from this new setting. The man held the eagle on his arm, pointed him into the sky where the bright sun was beckoning above. And he spoke, Eagle, you are an eagle. You belong to the sky, not to the earth. Stretch out your wings and fly. This time the eagle started skywards, stared skywards into the bright sun, straightened his large body, stretched his massive wings. His wings moved, slowly at first, but then powerfully, and with a mighty screech, he flew. You can't fly like an eagle if you live like a chicken. But church, in the words of the man, you are eagles. You belong to heaven and not to the earth. So stretch out your wings and fly. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.